Hi, I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. I'm Kate. And welcome to Topical Island. Each week, one of us will deep dive into a topic that interests us. Have you ever wondered how to become a Disney princess? Is diva behavior acceptable? And what does it have to do with the opera? Will we get to work from home forever, ever? Join us as we answer these questions and more. As each week, we will take you to a different topical island. Hi, guys. How are you? (laughs) And welcome to Topical Island. Hello. Julie, Kristen, it's been a great week for me. What have you guys been up to, Julie? Well, I kind of want to circle back right away to the woman who's had a great week. My, you know, my week has been a little bit of gardening. It is full on harvest time. Garbage. My week's been garbage. No, no garden, garden, garden. I've been in the garden and um, well, I pulled out something like eight zucchinis that each weighed over seven pounds. What? Wow. That's more than my cat. A bunch of zucchini babies. Yeah. Yeah. One of them is eight, which, uh, yeah, I will definitely send you a photo of the big one that I've left. Thankfully, I've been able to pawn off most of them. <laughs> but, yeah. Zucchini. Well, um, I haven't seen you in person in a bit. If okay. you, uh, but That's next time. Chris. <laughs> if, if I... I think I will be seeing you sometime soon. So I will bring you a zucchini or two. They will not be eight pounds though. Thank goodness. Um, Yeah. And we've just been kind of, we stopped buying produce because our, um, you know, it's the time of abundance. It's a kind of cool time of year. If you you are a gardener, you get to reap what you've sown and, and then figure out a way to try and um, either eat it or process it so that you can keep it um for a little bit longer so awesome. yeah that's next well, on, the, on the okay before this started i was eating a zucchini muffin from one of my seven pound zucchinis there you go now last week on the pod we talked about botulism i'm assuming nobody here wants any of my canned goods from the garden. I want all of your canned goods because after we talked about botulism, I would only assume that you are following all of the rules and neither of you will ever produce a gift to me in canned form that would include bacteria that could potentially produce botulinum toxum. Here's hoping. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kristen, what about your week? Did it include botulism toxolinum or whatever it was? Not that I'm aware of, and I guess I would be. Um, but I, so it's my birthday this coming weekend, which might have been whoop, why you And so I was talking to my parents. I don't know if this makes me a five-year-old, but they're like, what do you want for your birthday? And I am I finally, at, at the very end of COVID, I am going to make a home office. <laughs> that that is amazing is it i mean i so currently i i think i shared very very early on in the podcast for our you know our hardcore topical islanders but i have a couch i have a work couch and i have a festival style chair or a stadium style chair that sits on top of my couch for posture 
And so that's my desk. But now that we're going back to work and we're going to be getting a little bit of a hybrid work scenario, which I'm very excited for, I was like, you know what? I need home office. (laughs) (laughs) So very exciting, very behind. I'm always behind a trend. And and here I am. Okay, well, better late than never. And what exactly does that look like for you? I'm just getting like a, a, a fairly nice table and my brother's getting me a monitor and I'm trying to make it kind of, cause I only have, I don't have an extra bedroom, so it'll be in the living room. So I'm trying to make it look like more like furniture than like a straight up office. So that was always nice. my concern, you know, of like not making it look too office within my living room. Awesome. Yes. But still yeah. be a defined space. That's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks. So it's exciting really great and and kate you had the best week so let's hear about it mm-hmm. well i mean i don't want to call it the best week it might have something to do with um so i picked my mother-in-law up from the airport today oh and so this is our first i dusted off our guest room this is our first visitor she's visiting from new brunswick in i mean the last time she was in Calgary was two years ago. And oh, the last wow. time I saw her was well, well over that because she had come to hang out with my husband and my daughter while I was off gallivanting um, the <laughs> last time she was here. So just really exciting to have visitors again. Yeah. Um, we had a lovely, I took, we, well, she took me out for lunch actually. And then uh, had just had a lovely afternoon catching up. We had a, a uh, nice dinner here and there has been wine involved since. So that's my disclaimer to y'all. Uh, <laughs> I don't often have a few glasses of wine on the the Wednesday that we, we record. Um, here we are. Today can, that's, a, that's an exceptional exception and it's how exciting to have somebody. I, yeah, we, I had company recently and I feel like I had been waiting so long to like test out some new recipes on people that weren't my immediate family. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, you know, Nick's certainly not going to appreciate the, the uh, cozy little touches I put on our second bathroom or, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, for sure. I, uh, I just, I love being a hostess. I, yeah. I just love everything about it. I love folding the towels hotel style and putting them on the bed before they arrive. And, you know, so it's, um, I'm just, it's going to be a great, uh, it's going to be a great visit. It's going to be a great, you know, time that we have her here. And I'm just, I'm excited for, for all parties. Nice. Um, it's going to be wonderful. Well, that sounds great. And when we podcast um, a week from today, I'll let you know whether or not we're ready to kill each other. Yes, fair enough. (laughs) But before that happens, why don't you take me off this island and tell me where we're going this week, Kristen? To your okay. Uh, Where are you going? Want me to start over? Why am I? Why am I drunk? I don't know what. Okay. Um, (laughs) No, it's good. I was just like off an island. I'm taking. I already see you to an island. It's okay. It's all good. I was being my. Dad. I thought we were hopping island to island each week. <laughs> each Isn't week, you'll we each week. Each week, one of us will take you to a different tropical island. Oh, so we so got to get going. off our island from last week 
and get yeah. onto an island. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm with you now. I'm in space. Okay. <laughs> I would like to take you to the island of marriage. No. Oh. Um, I, I am talking about marriage today, though. Because I remember the very first time I started thinking about marriage in a different way, which was um, Elizabeth Gilbert, who I believe wrote Eat, Pray, Love. She wrote a book yes. that was basically about the fact that like this idea that we have come accustomed to and have grown up in of marriage being about love between a man and a woman or two people who love each other or whatever it is traditionally, is actually a very new concept. Oh, yeah. I love didn't know and that. marriage. Oh, good. All right. So love and marriage <laughs> is like a very new idea and has actually traditionally not been part of uh, marriage. And if anything, it was actually discouraged. And I'll tell you a bit about that. But, I, okay. but um, so if someone today were to say to you, oh, I met this great man, we're getting married, he has a good job, and my mom really likes him, I don't really love him, you'd kind of wonder about that person. But that traditionally yeah. is not that weird. Um, and just to be specific, I mean, there's definitely all over the world different types of marriages. And there's certainly countries now where marriage isn't based on love. So I'm very much talking about like with the, like historically within our society. So how old is the institution of marriage? The best evidence suggests that it's about 4,350 years old. Wow. For thousands okay. of years before that, families consisted of large groups of maybe up to 30 people with several male leaders and they worded it with multiple women shared by them and their children. So it, it's like basically okay. a large group of people who may make children sometimes, but there's no assigned pairs of any, of any, in any way. Um, the first recorded evidence of marriage ceremonies uniting a man and one woman, one man and one woman dates from, uh, 2350 BC in Mesopotamia. Wow. But over the next several hundred years, marriage evolved into a widespread institution embraced by ancient Hebrews, Greeks, and Romans. But back then, it had little to do with love and even little to do with religion. Stephanie Kuntz, who wrote a book and a bunch of uh, articles and stuff and came up a lot in this research, uh, said that what marriage have in common was is not really about the relationship between the man and the woman that time, of course, traditionally, it was a way of getting in-laws, making alliances, and expanding the family labor force. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, huh. A betrothal ceremony in ancient Greek, a father would hand over his daughter with the words, I pledge my daughter for the purpose of producing legitimate offspring. Oh, God. Oh. Cool. I mean, oh, God. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was about guarantee, guaranteeing yeah. biological, truly biological heirs. Um, and amongst ancient Hebrews, men were, and of course we all hear about polygamy and that, but men were free to take several wives and married Greeks and Romans were free to satisfy their sexual urges with um, sex workers and even teenage male lovers while their wives were cool. required to stay home and tend to the household. If their wives failed to produce offspring, which of course we all know could be for many different reasons, their husbands could give them back and marry someone else. I shouldn't laugh at that. Good. But that's no, all. I mean, I think we, sh we should because that's, yeah. it's laughable. But mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if they were able to produce offspring, like were they able to have, diff like be able to have lovers and, uh, you know, 
Yeah, no, it's it's a very one-sided. Desires in other ways, or was that specifically for the men? It's definitely for the men. Like it was definitely frowned upon in a very different way for women. Mm. Yeah, so it's definitely not equal. And I think a, a lot of the um, what what we'll see in a lot of the evolution of marriage is actually it does have a lot to do with equality and women not being seen as equal partners and and things and the aspect of love actually does bring that into the forefront quite a bit. So mm -hmm. um, um, in Europe, among the nobility, marriages until very recently were arranged for political and financial gain, with little input from the affected party. So not even necessarily anyone's making this choice. But in the 12th century treaties on uh, 12th century treaties of the nature of true love and the aversion within marriage were hot topics of debate. In a manifesto to true love, a manifesto to true love was written in 18, no, not 18, this is very old, 1184 by Andreas Capellanus, Capellanus, who was the priest of the Mary de Champagne, who was betrothed at the age of 15 by her father. Um, his quote was, love can have no place between a husband and wife. And even if some, even if some couples do experience immoderate affection. Um, but it wasn't until the 19th century that love became an equal importance uh, in finding a mate. Uh, but in the 16th century, Michel de Montaigne, who... Um, who also doubted that love was integral to marriage, said, said, they say he provided an insight that we could still possibly agree with today, but it was, even if there is such a thing as a good marriage, it is because it resembles friendship rather than love. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So, oh, okay, but they were putting that qualifier around good marriage, like that, yeah, that these, like at least some, a form of respect had to exist to have a good marriage. So we're already starting to see that there's qualifiers that can be put around marriage and they're not just this system to increase your family's labor force and potentially punt out your uh, wife just because you're impotent or something terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so actually it was interesting that some of the first uh, ability for women, I mean, it, one of the things that actually helped women quite early on was actually the fact that religion did become involved because at this point, as I mentioned, you know, men didn't necessarily have to be uh, true in any way to their wives um, or however you want to say that. But uh, as the Roman Catholic church became a powerful institution in Europe, uh, blessings from a priest became a necessary step for your marriage to become legally recognized. So by the eighth century, marriage was widely accepted in the Catholic church as a sacrament or a ceremony to bestow God's grace. And in uh, 1563, it was written into canon law. Um, and they actually also said that, uh, so Kuntz also said, the early Christian church held the position that if you can procreate, you must not refuse to procreate. But they always took the positions that would annul a marriage if a man would not have sex with his wife, but they could not conceive. So they Wait, say that again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but they always took the position... Happened that they would annul a marriage if a man could not have sex with his wife, but not if they could not conceive. So, oh, okay. Oh, okay. so basically not back to the other point, which was that you can't just leave someone cause you couldn't have a child, but you couldn't not try to have a child, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You had but to also, go for it or they could annul it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and it, I think it does, is that not kind of the same today in which a marriage can be annulled if you haven't consummated it I, I feel like that's what they say on tv like in shows and stuff 
Yeah, I don't know if that's a legal thing or a religious thing. Mm, right? Probably, I would guess religious. Although maybe they're, no, but there is legal annulment too, isn't there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be- yeah. Yeah. We might need a corrections, a, a, a topical island correction on that one. I don't know. I don't know that, I don't know about those laws exactly, but I will say that, um, that that, uh, religion kind of brought in monogamy into marriages. Um, and so it actually, yeah. in, you know, in, in different ways, sometimes religion doesn't necessarily bring um, the best thing for women, possibly. But um, in this situation, it it did help them a lot. So it did improve a lot for wives. So they were, men were taught to show a greater respect for their wives and were forbidden from divorcing them. Um, but love actually didn't enter the picture, even though that did help things for women and it did increase the idea of monogamy. Um, but actually love hasn't entered the picture until 200, about 250 years ago. Oh, wow. And that's not even sexual desire. I don't know if we're I don't know if this needs a warning on it, Julie, <laughs> but like, that's not even, that's like love and not even the idea of sexual desire, because in fact, um, in the Victorian era for women, which was around 1820 to uh, 1914, it was one of the doctors, one doctor, William Acton, famously declared the majority of women, happily for them, are not very much troubled with sexual feeling of any kind. Oh, that's nice yeah. of him. <laughs> <laughs> so glad he knows that. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. So it's, yeah. So it's so funny. So like, yes, marriage, the idea of mutual love starts being, but it's still not a necessarily a sexual uh, thing there. So in that era, girls normally married into their early to mid twenties. And typically the groom would be five years older because the man had to show that he earned enough money to support a wife and any future children. Um, But the interesting thing is that they had to be pious until they were married. And so many respectable young men resorted to using, as we would now say for sex workers, prostitutes. Because oh, that were... was kind of a loophole? Yeah, because... Yeah. <laughs> so long as they weren't, you know, ruffling the feathers of any noble women, they were, that was fine or... Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Cause they mm-hmm. were waiting for, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so interesting just like how, yeah, how much things has, have changed, but um, just in terms yeah. of like what's acceptable for men and what's acceptable for women and that kind of thing. But, uh, but you know, I, I mm-hmm. sorry, but I do think that, like, you know, because that was not that long ago, like what, a hundred years to 150 years ago. I think that there are still nuggets of that, that still are part of some of our psyche that like, A prostitute is a loophole or an out or doesn't count or, you know, isn't exactly cheating. I think that there's still pieces of that that kind of exist in our culture. Well, there's, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, that and like, I mean, just like so much stuff, there's just like little, I mean, even like old, like traditional marriages and stuff, you know, we say, you know, it's an equal partnership between a man and a woman or, and and we will even get into, you know, a little bit about uh, same sex marriages and that, but um yeah, there's so much traditional stuff that's still stuck around. I mean, even the traditions yeah. that we keep, right? Like, you know, I'm like, I know lots of people have like both their parents give them away at their wedding or whatever, but even that concept of giving away, you know, it's just there's traditions yeah. that we keep that are very, very tied to, you know, old traditions, right? 
Yeah. And so um, marriage wasn't about equality until about 50, let's say, I mean, again, getting back to what we were just saying, like you know, not all marriages are exactly equal, but around 50 years ago. So a lot had to do with women winning the right to vote, you know, because now you have a marriage between, and that's way more than 50 years ago, but, you know, a marriage between two equal people in the world. Um, and, and for example, in the United States, marital rape was actually legal in many states until the 1970s. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, I mean, these are things that are, because it's, yeah, I won't get too far into that, but um, these are things that, you know, have just, just changed. So um, back to Stephanie Coons, she says that within the past 40 years, marriage has changed more than the last 5,000, which makes sense. Wow. With all this, right? wow. Like, that, I feel like so that's hopeful. Yeah. There's been a lot of evolution um, within the last little while and obviously like lots of changes. Um, but I think the thing to consider too, on the alternate side of things. So I was also reading an article through psychology today. So they're talking about the trouble with modern marriage. So I think, you know, as the pendulum swings and has swung much more to like two people, soulmates, we have a lot of uh, romantic love. It's a little bit away from like the family, like, you know, families coming together. It's now very much about the coupling. Yeah. Uh, and the two people like, and, and it's that philosophy that uh, we'll get into this, but like, that's really all you should need is this soulmate or whatever. It's like, it's caused yeah. some issues in other ways. Right. So um, they do say, of course, and we all know the stat that people who marry have roughly a 50% chance, but that could be a lot of different things. Right. You know, like back in the day, it would be a really shameful thing to separate. Whereas now it's more about, you know, happiness and, you know, that kind of thing. So you might have someone married 50 years, but they're horribly unhappy. That's not necessarily a success. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so an, an article by Eli Finkel and colleagues reviewed how many changes have taken place with regards to marriage. Um, and they argue that through various periods in history, we expected our spouses to satisfy our needs for resources, safety and security, our need to feel loved and cared for. In modern marriage, what researchers called the self-expressive marriage adds existing expectations. We now expect that our spouses facilitate not only our needs for closeness and connection, but also personal growth and fulfillment. So our spouses are partners in our daily tasks, managing a household, but they're also expected to be our best friends, caring confidants, passionate, adventurous lovers, intellectual challengers, and our biggest cheerleaders. Mm. It's a lot. Of, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. But it, and it goes to show you, right? Cause it's like, um, you know, when we're talking about history, if you don't love the person, you don't have a lot of expectation on them. They're really just there to fulfill a purpose, which is bad, I guess you could say in its own right. But coming to the full circle of like, now we're in love and now this is my soulmate and all the things that you see in the movies, we're putting so much on our partners mm -hmm. now, right? In a different mm -hmm. kind of way, different types of expectations. And ourselves in turn too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right. Cause not only that, but especially, you know, potentially as a woman, right. Cause now you're, you're expected to fulfill the traditional roles potentially in the household, as well as that equal partnership of work and contributing on an equal basis and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I don't know in this podcast, I tend, I, I don't know. I feel like I've quoted the Atlantic so many times that I'm like, wow, they have some really cool articles. And this lady was the woman who wrote this article, it's, it's called a case against marriage, which I am in no way trying to make, but she was just trying to decide basically, um, 
she was in a long-term partnership and deciding whether or not to like get married. So it wasn't like whether or not to be in a partnership or anything. So she kind of was exploring some of these topics. And I thought this was an interesting way to put it. So she says in popular culture, the the sentiment still prevails that marriage makes us happy and divorce leaves us lonely and that never getting married at all is a fundamental failure of belonging. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> when said like that, you realize how flawed that is and yet how we all sort of accept that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's certainly, I mean, I've certainly, you know, gotten the question, you know, are you married? And then it's like, no. And it's like, hmm, you know, and, 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 Aww, and, why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, exactly. I've actually gotten, what's wrong with you? All these other women are married, like literally in a group. And so it, it, oh, this, this, yeah, that was a one-time thing, but uh, <laughs> anyways, um, but yeah, it's a simple statement that sounds silly, but it in some ways is very much uh, true. However, um, this is an American stat, but apparently only about half of Americans over the age of 18 are married, which is down from about 72% in 1960. Wow. Yeah, I could see because that. People are waiting longer, right? To get married. People are waiting or not. longer. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. You guys. People are either waiting longer or not getting married at all. Uh, a majority of Americans expect to marry eventually, but 14% of never married adults, so they don't plan to marry at all. And 27% aren't sure if it's for them. Hmm. Um, another interesting uh, study in that regard is that 55% uh, of people said that um, not getting married was not an important criterion for becoming an adult. Whereas the same percentage said that not as having a child was not as important milestone and, and that they were, they felt that uh, completing formal schooling and having full-time employment was 95%. So that was at least somewhat important. So some of those sentiments are changing and you can see how that might be changing with um, as people are making different types of decisions. Um, but back to when I was mentioning about talking a little bit about same-sex marriage and there's obviously same-sex marriage comes into play in a lot of this in terms of, the evolution of marriage, of course, but um, two years after the Supreme Court decided to legalize same-sex marriage in 2015, a full 61% of cohabiting same-sex couples were married. So that's kind of wow. way the other way, which is that it's a desire. It's still something that people desire to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Obviously very strongly, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So I think, um, the article is really interesting just about how things have really changed between um, thinking about things as a family unit and being much more about uh, one person fulfilling your needs or whatever. And, and of course, as we all know, that's not to say that if you're in a marriage, you can't have close relationships with your family members as well as your partner, but just that the, the trend has maybe put some strain on relationships. And, um, and they also argue that, you know, maybe, uh, the relationship uh, between two people doesn't necessarily have to be the the primary unit of care. Um, what would you do if you could share health benefits with your sister uh, or uh, be on paid leave with a close friend who had an operation, like those types of things, which I think is an interesting mm. way to look at it, especially as things evolve, right? Um, Very interesting. Yeah, like... I, it's just, especially with the, the statistic about how much things have changed in the last few years, um, about how things might change even more so, you know, if, if that's not always the primary relationship. So, yeah. yeah. So I just thought it was, it was a really interesting thing to consider because 
it's just one of those things where you always take it for granted that, you know, that marriage is exactly what we see it as today and what we see as traditionally in movies and, and that, but um, maybe it's, you know, it, we can define it for ourselves and what, what our relationship is to it, but also that, you know, it's still a bit of an experiment, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And we're still trying to get it right. So I just thought it was, it was interesting to consider the history behind it and um, that maybe, I just like looking at things that we kind of look at it in the day-to-day thing and think that it's, that's the way it is. And, and it certainly hasn't always been. Yeah. And and maybe not be so quick to judge to where cultures are still, you know, have, you know, whether they're, what's that called? The arranged marriage or right. marriage for, um, for a purpose that doesn't necessarily have to do with love. Maybe not be so quick to judge that either because, maybe there's a place for that and you know you know yeah I think there is and they who's to say that they don't look at North America you know those cultures that are primarily arranged marriages look at North America and think what fools and then half of them end up separating anyway and like losing half their wealth and and then and then everybody ends up broke and yeah you you know yeah Wow, that's a very interesting, it's something to think about for sure. Yeah, I think like, and one thing, for example, like and growing up, I remember always thinking this, like um, when you talk about weddings and that, like and having had friends getting married and stuff, when, you know, a lot of family gets involved and they have certain people they want to invite or they have certain ways they always saw the day. And I always thought it was very, like very like, no, it's about these two people. And they made this comment on the, um, on the, last article that I mentioned, basically like the not.com, their tagline is welcome to your day, your way. And that's very much about you too. And I've, I've always really felt that way. And I'm not sure that I don't feel that way, but it's interesting too, because when you bring into the ideas about how marriage has always, or has traditionally been more about families coming together and it's been a very community celebrating two people, it's just a very different evolution that now you know, these are the popular streams that are like, no, this is about you and your day. And that may also be true. It's just such a different uh, way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. I remember um, one of my aunts when she mm-hmm. was, um, when she got remarried, but yeah. her, she had ad- an adult child and her um, husband had adult children as well. And that was a wedding where it was really about the family. It was about like the kids and like, because it was a truly blended family kind of, and it was really, I thought it was great. I appreciated that it wasn't about them. It was about the larger group and that, and that everybody was accepting of everybody and everybody was sharing stories about everybody. And it was kind of this really sweet thing that said, like, I think it's perhaps it was, um, uh, not the first marriage for either of them, but perhaps those first weddings that were more the two people based, like give them certain perspective over time that it's more that it can be more than that. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sure. I, and I, 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 com- I think that's lovely, but I'm going to interject and say, I did not make my wedding about, just me and my husband and it ended up being not it ended up being not at all what I envisioned or wanted for myself Mm. interesting because you're accommodating consideration 
too many other people's um, expectations and wants and needs. And, uh, and in, at the end of the day, it, I honestly feel like it didn't end up being what not only what my ideal day was, but it wasn't an ideal day for anybody because it was interesting. I was trying to work around all of these Everyone, different right. things. And, you know, um, yeah, you both heard me vent about it. And um, I will from here on out probably have a 10th anniversary every 10 years because so long as things go as planned I will be <laughs> with my husband for decades to come and every 10 years I'm gonna make it all about me <laughs> <laughs> well that's an interesting point because I think that's an evolution too of time like it's like and I I hate to bring it back to the cemetery but as I've been the cemetery in Calgary is the one I like to do tours in is really a Victorian area cemetery and right the women, first of all, very few of them have like really extensive stories because they didn't really have, they weren't really able to do their own things, but it mm -hmm. like, we're coming out of a time that's like, like from quite a while ago, but we're coming out of a time where really like what we wanted didn't matter. And we, and like, you know, you, you're yeah. not like, and I'm sure it wasn't great for men either in certain ways, but you know, you had so many rules on you, you make one mistake and you're written off in society or whatever it was. Right. And so like, mm. we're in this place now where, yeah, you know, it, like a self-actualized day for me sh and me being happy sh would make the people around me happy instead of something that's diluted because it's a little bit of everybody's opinion. And I just think, yeah, that, that that's kind very of the much. beauty of the time we're in. Right. Very yeah. Much. I'm very interested. I have obviously disclosed that I'm married and, um, but I, so Julie, you have a fiance. <laughs> you, you also have a child. Uh, yeah. Kristen, you've been in, uh, maybe you can disclose your circumstance. <laughs> yeah. But I'm curious what you and how you feel, what you feel, what your thoughts are on marriage. For sure. Julie, do you want to go first? Julie? Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, well, first off, I, I thankfully um, come from a family where there's an appreciation for monogamy and marriage and partnering up, but there is no pressure to get married. I think my my grandmother, you know, will often say things like, you know, I really love weddings. <laughs> Um, but I oh, don't, don't say feel, grandma, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't ever feel like there was this, um, path that I had to follow that meant that I would have to get married. Like that was never something that was like, well, that's, that's adulting. That's what you have to do. I, I've never felt that. How about you, yeah, Kristen? Where's, exactly. where do you, do you stand on it? Where do I stand on it? Um, so it's interesting because yeah, I, I mean, I'm in a long-term long distance relationship, I suppose. Um, in terms of my status, but it's interesting because I oddly enough. So I also am, have my parents are still married and ha and happy and I love them both. I visit them all the time. Um, but uh, I, even when I was younger, I, I always questioned if it was something I felt like I 
wanted or needed to do. I think there have been times where, you know, people around you getting married and I'm like, oh, maybe I'd like to be married. But I don't I feel like it might have been more of a societal thing than something that I personally would need. I mean, I like the idea of stability. I like if you had a family, I think in my readings, I didn't really get into it, but like having children and having stability is, you know, super important. So that would be good. Yeah. But I, for, for me, the principle of marriage, I could take it or leave it. I wouldn't be against it, but I, w- it's not something that I defines me as an adult <laughs> as for the study. Yeah. 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 So that's where I stand. Yeah. Kate, did it make you feel like more of an adult, not necessarily the (laughs) wedding, but actually being married. Does that give you a sense of adulthood and maturity? You know what? I'm not going to lie. It kind of does. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I feel like an old person. No. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I could see that. And I think the other thing that came up was like, I, and I've spoken to people who, you know, have lived with someone and then they, then they got married and they felt a different feeling being married Mm -hmm. than being in a relationship, just like living together, even being a couple. So there's something to be said for it for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What an interesting, I love the, I love the idea that we have evolved more in the last 40 years than we have in hundreds of years before that. Wow. Great topic, Kristen. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Julie, do you have any good news for us? I do. I have two little nuggets of good news, and they're both stemming out of the Olympics. Um, that was about a month ago now. I don't know. Did either of you ladies watch or get into the Olympics this year? I certainly did, uh, but honestly, uh, may, and it might have had to do with the time change. I didn't find myself watching things as regularly as I would have I it was almost like after the fact so I would hear about an event and then felt like I oh my goodness that's something I need to watch like the and uh um so I was very proud of Canada felt like we did awesome I loved how much the uh women were just kicking ass and taking the names this year and uh but I I in all um, but no, I did not watch as much as I usually do. Full disclosure, mm-hmm. Kristen. I saw a lot of headlines, did not watch a single event. Really? <laughs> okay, interesting. I watched a ton, which normally mm-hmm. for summer Olympics I don't do, but it kind of it was that kind of normalcy thing where it's like, oh, the Olympics, that's a thing that we used to do when things yeah, were yeah. not upside down. So I got a lot of comfort out of that. Um, and I, I did watch it, really enjoyed it. And yeah, Canadian women, I think like how many days and it was only Canadian women who had meddled. It was amazing. Amazing. But there was two for me really kind of cool things I thought. So one was um, I became familiar with Tom Daly, who's a British uh, diver. And mm-hmm. I think he started his he first went to the Olympics when he was like 12 years old. He started up very young and he, I watched, he was in the synchro um, diving pairs and he and his teammate won gold. And then I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw him and I was like, Oh, that's funny. I don't follow him or any news outlet that would put that out. And I realized it was from lion brand yarn who I do follow because I, 
enjoy crocheting. And mm -hmm. Tom Daly is an avid crocheter and knitter. And if you were watching the Olympics, you would often see him sitting in the stands with his crochet hook knitting things. And he even made a little cozy for his gold medal. Like oh, that no he crocheted himself. <laughs> just the sweetest, like, oh, just love him and give him a follow on social media because um, it he, again? his name's Tom Daly, T Tom, T-O-M, mm -hmm. and Daly, D-A-L-E-Y. And he made himself a Olympic cardigan that he knit. Like he just friggin' adorable. And the second story from the Olympics that just warmed my heart was the, um, so skateboarding was in the Olympics for the first time this year and the women's street skate was one of the most enjoyable things i've watched um for those who don't know the the gold and silver went to two 13 year olds and the bronze went to a 16 year old and to watch them they were just having a blast i think that there's so much pressure and there can be so much downside to the olympics like you see like all the doping scandals and all that awful stuff but like these were just women and like young women um just having a great day skateboarding and like it's a very um because it's the street skate it's like very flexible they can do whatever tricks they want on whatever apparatus they want and they were just having such a good time you could tell they were all having fun and they were all visiting and you know tony hawk was out there and it was just like such a joy and so wonderful to watch these women who were doing something for the first, like women skateboarding in the Olympics for the first time ever, just yeah. having a blast. And then to have these two very young women who are obviously, I'm going to assume going to be in the sport for years and years to come um, when gold, silver and bronze, it was really, I don't know, it was just so heartwarming. And it was like true amateur sports the way it should be. And right. uh, not, not like, I don't know, LeBron James in the basketball U.S. men's winning again. Like, to me, that is of no interest. Mm -hmm. But these young women who were sh put, like, showing what they could do um, for the first time ever on that stage was pretty cool. Awesome good news. Yes. You make me want to go back really and watch cool. some of this stuff, Julie. Do! Go, at, if nothing else, go watch the women's um, yeah. skate finals and just watch them interact with each other and with the sport and just, like, they're having a blast. They're just That's there awesome. for the fun and it was very cool. Well, did you find what you were looking for?